good, 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 good father. Perfect in every single way. I want to tell y'all this little, this little story. It ain't got nothing to do with what I'm going to preach about. But, you know, there was a storm. Um, I guess, what, what night was it? Uh, Thursday? Not Friday? Saturday? Saturday night. Saturday night, there was a storm. And, you know, me and my wife, we stay in a trailer. And my son was there, my oldest son, Bentley. Right? And the wind was, was hitting the trailer. And it felt like it was about to, about to fall over. And Bentley says, hey, Daddy, I need you to pray right now. I need you to pray right now. He said, because, because devil, the devil is trying to come up from hell. And you need to pray. And so I get down on my knees and I start praying in tongues for 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, the storm, it passed. And so then on Sunday, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so I asked my son, I said, hey, are you believing now? He goes, yeah. I go, so are you going to start praying? He said, daddy, whenever it storms, I'm going to pray. But anyways, get this. So the next day for lunch, we were eating lunch, right? My seven-year-old preached, preached a sermon to us. He looked at me and Abby. He goes, you know when you pray that God makes a path through the storm <laughs> to get you to the other side? He didn't say that God will take you out of the storm. He didn't say that. He said that God will get you, will make a path through the storm to get you through the other side. I don't know who that's for. It's for somebody. I know it is. But I want to come out of, out of Genesis. Starting at chapter 27 and verse 30. And the word Lord reads, As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? And Esau replied, it is your son, your firstborn son, Esau. And Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it. And I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. And when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. And Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob. For now he has cheated me twice. First, he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved any one blessing from me? And Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. And I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. And what is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. And finally, his father, Isaac, said to him, he didn't have a blessing. He didn't have anything to give him. But what he did have to give him, he gave him a word. And the word was, you will live away from the richness of the earth. 
and away from the dew of the heavens above. And you will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But this is the key verse right here. This is the key. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, anoint me, Lord God, to be a blessing to your children. In the mighty name of Jesus, as I hide behind this cross, Lord God, and as I decrease and you increase in this place, let this word penetrate the hearts of your children. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, I want to talk to you all about, about Esau and Jacob for just one minute. I want to go back a little bit. See, Esau came in from hunting, right? He came in from hunting, and he was all famished and everything. And he comes in, and he's tired, and, uh, and he tells his brother, uh, uh, Jacob, hey, man, I need, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And he says, okay, I'll give you a bowl of beans if you give me your birthright. Now, if I were to tell you, if, if I were to tell you I was hungry and you told me, okay, if you give me a million dollars, I'll fix you a bowl of beans. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to go fix some beans myself. <laughs> so not only was he tired, not only was he lazy because he knew how to cook, right? Not only was he tired, but he was lazy because there ain't no way that I'm going to give up my birthright for a bowl of beans. But he did that. He did that, and not only did he do that, but later on, he gets mad at Jacob for taking it. I mean, if you give me your birthright, if you give me a million dollars, I will fix you all the beans that you want, I promise you. And so then later on, you have Jacob scheming, him and his mom scheme together. The mom overheard the dad telling Esau, hey, if you go fix, if you go fix me, or if you go catch some wild game and fix my favorite meal, right, uh, I'll give you your blessing. So he goes out there, he does all that. And, but Jacob, but Jacob had already schemed him. He was all covered in hair. The mama had fixed the meal. He went in there and he tricked, and he tricked old Isaac, right? He tricked old Isaac. And so he gets to complaining, oh, oh, dad, you gave the blessing away. You gave the, I can't believe you gave the blessing away. And then, and then Isaac gave him the word. When you decide, when you decide. Today, what I want to talk to y'all about, today, what I want to talk to y'all about is, is something that, that we all want to receive, but it's very hard for us to give. See, it can not only cause spiritual sickness, what I'm talking about, but it also causes physical sickness as well. And it can cause heart attacks, and, and it can cause high blood pressure, and it can cause high cholesterol, and it can cause, uh, uh, as well as depression, anxiety, and stress, what I'm talking to y'all about. It is something that starts as a, as a seed. And how many of y'all know when y'all plant a seed, it doesn't grow up looking like a seed anymore? See, what I'm telling you about, when you plant it, it goes down as a seed. It gets planted in your heart as a seed, and it takes root. And then when it grows up, it looks like drug addiction, and it looks like suicide, and it looks like murder, and it looks like homelessness, and it looks like a bad father, it looks like a bad mother, and it grows up looking like hopelessness, and it grows up looking like cancer. It grows up looking like death. And what I'm talking about is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 
Can I share my heart with y'all real quick? Through this whole sermon, I'm going to share my heart with y'all because it's very important to me as well as it is to God. My drug addiction, me being uh, depressed and the suicidal thoughts that I was having, that wasn't the worst bondage I'd ever been in. The worst bondage I had ever been in was unforgiveness. Amen. See, as a kid, I was raped and molested by my uncle. For years and years and years, man, this was going on until I was like from four to like 12 years old. And it manifested in my life as, as drug addiction and, and addiction and, and depression and, and anxiety. And that's what it began to look like. See, my life, my life was being controlled by somebody that wasn't even in my life anymore. And I began to look at Facebook, and I would see him on Facebook, and he'd be all happy and everything, and he has a family now, and there I am in addiction, and, and on my way to prison again, and I can't get it together, and I can't keep a job, my whole life falling apart, and it was all because of unforgiveness. See, it wasn't what he did that kept me in bondage. It was him that kept me in bondage. And Isaac knew it whenever he told uh, Esau, Whenever you decide, whenever you decide to let it go, whenever you decide to forgive him, then the chains that your brother got on you, they will break. Let me tell you something. The very essence of our faith is forgiveness. The very essence of our faith is forgiveness. See, we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. We believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what we believe. It's the very essence of our faith. See, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, the word Lord reads, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. And if you don't forgive those that sin against you, your father in heaven will not forgive you. The Bible also says that God blesses those that show mercy and mercy will be shown to them. Amen. See, there ain't no compromise in that statement right there, in that verse right there. It's not a suggestion. He's not suggesting that you forgive those that sin against you. That is a commandment that you forgive them. Amen. But... But when we've been hurt, when we've been hurt, I'm talking about the hurt that changes the course of our life. Yes. Our whole life, that kind of hurt is the kind of hurt that I'm talking about here. The kind of hurt that only somebody that's close to us can cause us. The kind of hurt, man, that, the kind of hurt that, that causes our life to spiral out of control. See, the kind of hurt that causes distrust, the kind of hurt that causes blindness to the beauty of life, that's the kind of hurt that I'm talking about. Amen. The kind of hurt that when, when somebody cheat on you or when somebody, when somebody molests you or when, or when a parent abandon you or when a kid just don't seem to get right, that's the kind of hurt that I'm talking about. And I know that I got the right crowd. I know that all of us have gone through that kind of hurt. I know that y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. And some of us are trying to figure out why in the world can I stop using? Why in the world do I keep living like this? And you're trying to figure it out, but you fail to realize it might have been the, the unforgiveness that had turned into bitterness and resentment and anger that was, that was planted into your heart. And then the uproot of it, the way that it turned out, it don't look like unforgiveness anymore. It don't look like bitterness anymore. It don't look like anger anymore. It looks like addiction. 
And it looks like suicidal thoughts. It looks like suicide. It looks like murder. It looks like homelessness. That's what it looks like. But this kind of hurt right here, it can only be caused by someone that we love. And the last thing that we want to do, the last thing we want to do is what? Forgive them. <laughs> Why is that? Number one, because we, don't, because we don't condone the behavior. I don't agree with what they did. What they did is just not right. But to forgive is not saying what they did is okay. It's saying the consequences of their behavior belong to God, not to me. See, to forgive is to recognize that the wrong done against us is the debt of sin. And our sin is against God. So when we forgive them, we are actually handing them over to God. See, I was explaining to the guys today that as long as I'm trying to defend myself, that's the only defense I got. As long as I'm trying to take matters into my own hand, that's all I got. I'm all I got. But it's not until I forgive them and turn them over to God that I can sit back and chill and relax. See, God said, vengeance is mine. I ain't doing no tripping. Number two, we just can't forget about what happened. See, it's actually okay not to forget. Because when something really bad happened to you, when it really hurts, it's impossible to forget. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm right. I know I am. It's impossible to forget. But it's actually okay not to forget it. See, if we were to completely forget, we would never learn from our experiences. And we would walk right back into a similar situation, only to face the same disappointment. What can be forgotten? What can be forgotten? Let me put the emphasis on can. What can be forgotten? Is the raw emotions that came along with the offense. Amen. See, we can't no longer let the offense affect our lives. Amen. See, for 15 years, actually, let's say for 20 years, I allowed an offense. I allowed what happened to me control my life by somebody that wasn't even in my life anymore. Somebody I didn't even talk to anymore. Somebody I didn't even get to see anymore. Every decision that I made, the way that I thought, it was all affected by what happened to me as a kid. It almost destroyed me. And three, we just don't trust them. See, look, we can forgive people for the wrong they've done without extending to them an open invitation to do it again. See, it is foolish to trust an untrustworthy person. Amen. Trust must be earned. One day, me and Elliot was, was in a vehicle together. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, Ken, how did Abby get over this, all the stuff that you've done to her? And I said, man, I have no idea how she got over it. I don't. I said, but what we can do is we can call her and ask her. So I call her and put her on speakerphone, right? I might have been FaceTime, no joke. And he asked her, hey, Abby, how were you able to get over all the stuff that Ken did to you? How were you able to trust him again? <laughs> Almost don't even want to say what she said. She said, I really don't. <laughs> she said, I know outside of the will of God, I know if he's not living for Jesus, he's out of there. I'm out of there. If I'm not living for Jesus. Amen. 
But I know that she forgave me. Thank you, baby, for forgiving me. <laughs> Good. Look, some of the stuff that I've done to her, she don't even bring it up anymore. Like, she's really, truly, she didn't forget it. She just don't let that affect our relationship now. Thank you, baby. I love you so much. You have no idea. My backbone, my rib, my barbecue rib, smoked, good barbecue sauce all over it. <laughs> and number four, I don't want to do them any favors. That's how we begin to feel. I don't want to do them no favors. Forgiving them, I don't want to do them no favors. But actually, you are doing yourself the favor. See, the forgiveness is not for them. The forgiveness is for you. See, the Bible clearly states if you forgive someone that sins against you, then your Father in heaven will forgive you of your sins. And if you don't, then God will not forgive you of yours. Amen. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want God mad at me over something that somebody else did to me. I don't want that one. Amen. See, and that's what I was headed into. See, whenever I came to the ministry, I had to face the fact that if I didn't forgive that uncle for what he had done to me, God was not going to forgive me. And I told the Lord, Lord, he don't deserve it. He said, but you do. I said, but God, but what he did to me ain't right. He said, but what you're doing is right. <laughs> what you're doing is right. So I had to take my focus off what he had done to me. And I had to put my focus on what he had done for me. <laughs> Man, forgiving ain't easy. It's not easy. But like Isaac told Esau, it's when you decide to do it. It's when you decide to forgive him. I'm going to Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 21. Forgiving ain't easy. And of all people, I understand this, and I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one in here that's been molested or raped. I know I'm not the only one that's been lied to. I know I'm not the only one that's been abandoned. I know I'm not the only one that's been not. I know I'm not the only one up in here. Amen. We're trying to set somebody free up in here. Yeah. Unforgiveness and bitterness is the worst kind of bondage, slavery that I'd ever been in in my whole life. It truly controlled my actions and my thoughts. I never thought I was going to quit using Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, the word of the Lord reads. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. 
and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had get, who he had forgiven the debt to and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the, king, sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your hearts. Amen. See, I realized, I realized that the heartbeat, the heartbeat of forgiveness is the love of God. Amen. You see, I began to measure myself to the word of God. I begin to measure myself to the word of God. Not by the person that's sitting next to me, because if I measure myself next to the person that's sitting next to me, I might come out all right. I got action. But see, when I measure myself to the word of God, I find out how pitiful I am. I find out how wretched I am. I find out how amazing God's grace is. That's what I begin to find out when I measure myself to the word of God. When I try to walk in Jesus' shoes, I begin to find out how jacked up I truly am. Because, see, I remember what David said, oh, God, I have sinned against you. He didn't say I sinned against Uriah. He said, God, I sinned against you. And until you understand, until you be real with yourself, because a lot of people don't want to be real with themselves. They try to make themselves seem bigger than the next person. They want to hold a debt over somebody's head. Some people want an excuse for the reason why they're living the way they're living. Amen. They want an excuse for it. Well, I was raped and molested, so I'm a drug addict. It's under the blood. You've been watching the blood. Amen. See, I begin to measure myself to the word of God. See, I got real. I got real with myself. I got, the only way this thing going to work is if you be real with yourself. Because some of y'all don't want to be real with yourself. Amen. See, we can hear all the testimonies and we can see um, the stuff that you do here in the home. But how about the stuff that you were doing at home, behind closed doors, when wasn't nobody around? When you riding around at night by yourself, that's what I'm talking about. The manipulation, the scheming that we were doing. Come on, you got to be real with yourself to be able to forgive somebody. See, and I, I, was, I began to be real with myself. And I realized that I sinned against, I sinned against God. I got real with myself and I really looked at the life that I had lived and realized the mercy. And I realized the forgiveness. And I realized the love that I've been shown. And not only do I deserve it, but I can't even earn it. Not only do I not deserve it, but there ain't nothing I can do in this whole entire world, man, to earn the grace that has been given to me. Amen. I'm going to tell y'all something. God knew before the foundations of the earth that we were going to be sinners. 
somebody asked me a question one time. If God knew we were going to mess up, why did he create us? Why did he waste a creation on us? And I had to think about that. And then it came to me. Love. God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, there was already a slain lamb. See, the Bible also says before the foundations of the earth, he, cho he loved us. He loved us before the foundations of the earth. That means before he even formed us before, from the dust of the ground, he already loved us. He already knew us. And he already knew we were going to be imperfect. He already knew how jacked up we were going to be. Amen. And he still sent his, his only begotten son to die for us. Like I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, man. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I want y'all to go to Isaiah 53 with me real quick. Because there was a pace pride. There was a, a pace, a pride. <laughs> there was a price paid. A price paid for forgiveness. This got to be the most powerful chapter in the whole Bible. Isaiah 53. And the word Lord reads, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Worship team, you can come up. I ain't going to be up here. I'm, I'm almost done. Grew up like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. And he turned our back and we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. And it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. And he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. And no one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was sh cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. 
But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. And I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels, and he bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Let me tell you something. He who knew no sin, who became sin, who hated sin, left the throne and came to earth and was wrapped in flesh. He who knew no sin became sin. So that we could become the righteousness. <laughs> so that we could become the righteousness of God. See in the garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Jesus begged, cried, Lord, please take this away from me. Three times. Please take it away from me. Down on the ground on his face, pouring blood. I need y'all to get this right here. Why you running around here not wanting to forgive your brothers? See, the Bible says before you come to the altar, what you need to do is you need to go to your brother, the one that's wronged you, and you need to make it right. Go to the one that wronged you, and you're wondering why you're not changing because you're coming to the altar and you're praying and you're lifting your hands up, but ain't nothing happening. And the whole time you're having animosity with your brother, saying, I love you, God. I love you, but I can't stand him. I hate him. And God said, how can you love me? How can you love me? And you don't even love your brother. You're lying, and the truth ain't even in you. It's what the Bible says. He was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he cried, Lord, please take this away from me. Please take it away from me. Pouring blood. Please. And he said for you so that your sins can be forgiven so you can have access to the father's ear so that you can have eternal life so that you can have intimacy with the father not my will not my will but thy will be done I want to give y'all a little nugget I'm going to tell y'all the reason the reason why the devil couldn't kill Jesus because you can't kill something that's already dead he was buried on Friday but he died on Thursday he died to himself he died to self in the garden he didn't want to do it he said but not my will but thy will be done if I got to get whipped thy will be done if I got to go to the cross thy will be done if I got to be pierced in the side, that will be done. He said, if I got to be separated from you for a moment, Father, not my will, not my will, but 
but thy will be done, is what he said. Now I know there's some people up in here that's hurting. That's harboring some unforgiveness in their hearts, man. And they're wondering why they keep on chasing their tail around this mountain and, and they can't get away from the addiction or the wild lifestyle or the cheating and all that stuff. And it might be because there's a, a root of bitterness in your heart that needs to be pulled up. And if it's not against somebody else, your unforgiveness could be against yourself. I know some of us have messed up messed up bad then lost our kids then lost our wives then lost our husbands then lost self-respect but God said hey I sent my son to die for you forgive yourself it is time it is time he says I know the plans I have for you thus saith the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope and to give you a future to restore your fortunes see when you pull up out here Victory Life Ministries restoration healing and hope and I'm going to tell y'all if you're here today if you walk through them doors there's three things I know for a fact you need you need some restoration and you need some healing and you need some hope. The altar is open. If you need prayer, we will definitely pray for you.